G'day there, wonderful people. Welcome to uh, the latest edition of The Finnovator. I'm Stuart, Bell business coach. I work uh, almost exclusively with advice professionals who want to sort of build businesses that better serve themselves and their clients. And uh, what I wanted to do today is pull into, once again, pull into our uh, sort of bag of historical recordings. And this is a really special one. Um, in about 2013-14, I wrote a book. It was called Finnovation. And if you'd like a copy, uh, you can go to our website. There's a free downloadable version because it's getting a bit older now. But uh, at the time, it came off the back of my experiences of getting involved in, uh, in sort of the tech startup world. And whilst I was there, I learned a bunch of skills from some really interesting people. Uh, one of the most memorable was Peter Davison, who was one of the seed investors in PayPal. Brian Sher was another. Susie Jacobs, shout out to you guys. Uh, and it was a really fantastic experience. And I started to coach some of the things I learned around lean startup, around agile, around customer-centric product development. I started to sort of weave them into some of my coaching. And what I tended to notice is when applied in the right way, they really had benefits for advice firms. And I thought, geez, I can't keep this knowledge or the experience outside of the industry. It's got to permeate. It's got to go in there. Uh, now, there's a lot more people taking an interest in it, a lot more people sort of shifting to that way of thinking. But back then, it wasn't, it wasn't so usual. And one of the first ch ep uh, chapters in that book, I wrote about a firm who had decided that they had a really great way, a really great tool, a really great, in this case, a slide deck uh, for engaging with their clients. And they'd said, let's turn this into a software tool. And they developed this thing and developed the thing. And as I said in the book, they did something that very few advice firms were doing in that space. They took an idea and they innovated it into a piece of technology. Now, since then, there have been all sorts of people who are now starting to innovate. Uh, I was just chatting to Simon Betchley of WorkSorted. I'm chatting to uh, uh, Stephen Hanley of FinPal, which are all these, these businesses, not to mention Julian Plummer of Midwinter and a whole bunch of other people, Robert Skinner, people who... You know, they were doing fintech before it was called fintech. But uh, it was interesting that at the time, there wasn't that many sort of small advice businesses that were building these things. And the guys I spoke to, I'm speaking to today on this uh, episode, Hans Egger and Michael Topper, they were the, the brains behind Astute uh, Wheel. And this was really to dive into how they got started. Now, Astute Wheel back then was a different tool. But what's interesting is how many of the things we spoke about, the concepts, the principles, are as relevant today if you are looking to do something different, whether you're building technology, whether you're launching a new offering, whether you're transitioning, the principles are still still there. And I think listening to, to Hans and Michael, uh, again, after so long, sort of bring, brought that home for me. Uh, I hope you really enjoy this one. As I said, it was very seminal. It was a, that story was something that I felt uh, really kicked off uh, my first book and, and not my last, that's for sure. Uh, and I thought it was time to bring it to the fore and share it with you. Again, this is one of those ones that is a few years ago, but it's kind of like sometimes you go back and read a book or you read something you wrote, you read a blog and you realize the thinking that was back there, the conversation, there is stuff that can be taken out uh, today if you're looking to do something different. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, I'm going to hand over to Michael and Hans and I, where we're going to talk about the Astute Wheel in Astute Engagement. I want to introduce uh, Michael and Hans. And for those who are already fans and users of Astute, I know there are, there are many of you out there. Uh, I know you'll know how awesome it is. And these are the two people that I first spoke to probably about three years ago. Um, I think at the time I promised Hans an article. That article kind of ended up being a book. And uh, finally, about 300 years later, I, I finally uh, delivered on my promise to deliver an article and, and write about exactly, you know, the, the genesis or the birth of Astute. 
what I really think is uh, remarkable about the story is not just kind of the success they've achieved, but also I think because it's come from an advisory base. So what you're going to get today is insight uh, and hopefully a bit of inspiration and some ideas that can you know move your business forward and into a progressive space and uh, kind of help you with some of the engagement. So I want to welcome Hans and Michael. How are you, gents? Very good. How are you, Stuart? Thanks very much for uh, inviting us. Wonderful. So I kind of want to start off with a bit of a question. For those who aren't as familiar with yourself and your Stuart Will, perhaps you wouldn't mind giving us a bit of an overview of the platform and of yourselves. Tell us a bit about the success story as it stands. All right. Well, the Astute Wheel is a set of online tools. They're information gathering tools, visual presentations and modelling calculators that allow an advisor to clearly articulate what they do and how they can add value, both generally and also specifically to their client. So that's it in a nutshell. And, uh, and where are we? Well, we've got about uh, 270 practices around Australia that use our tool and that uh, makes up about 500 advisors across over 50 different dealer groups um, and we have just recently launched into South Africa. Great stuff. Michael, anything to add? Yeah, I think you know, one of the key things with the tool is you can show your clients real value and um, you can do it quickly and efficiently as well. So the outcome of that is that the clients are happier with um, the advice that they're getting and um, you can actually charge more for your services because they can see the value. Um, a lot of our advisors are telling us that once they started using our tool, their discussions about fees were um, you know, much less than they had before. Nice. So specifically, what is it about using the wheel that, that kind of works so well or you find it works so well for you that you, you know, decided to roll it out? I think um, when most advisors see the presentation about the astute wheel, they recognise that it represents what financial sh planning should be and they want to be part of that. And for me, it just made my business so much more efficient, so much more uh, valuable to my clients. Wonderful. And if you, maybe this question for Michael, if you had to sum up the kind of techniques that Astute Wheel kind of fosters in a business, if you like the problems it solves, uh, the outcomes it delivers, what, what, how, would you, how would you summarize it? I think one of the things that's always tough for an advisor is to deliver the same level of explanation and advice every time um, that they're in front of a client. And one of the things that our tool does is it helps that consistency. Um, it's done visually and simply so a client can get it and understand it. <clears throat> and, um, and they really get it. So I think those are the, the key things that um, advisors and their clients will get from using the system. Great. Um, Hans, would you add anything? Yeah, I think um, the Astute Wheel provides a structured approach to client meetings. Um, so that's the first thing. I think it, it tries to, or it gives you tools that allow you to explain things in the best possible way every time so that the client gets it. Um, and we use visuals to do that because difficult concepts are made easy when you, uh, when you use visuals. And advisors are able to explain these difficult concepts and empower their clients to make informed decisions. And the outcome of all that is that the client is far more likely to proceed with a planner and to proceed with a strategy if they understand it and it's been explained well. Fair enough. So what I'd really like to do, and I guess the, the part of the conversation that really intrigued me when I spoke to you guys, I, I was really interested in the path, how you know a, a relatively 
I'm not to say ordinary, but definitely, you know, an advice business not wasn't particularly necessarily different from other advice businesses. Managed to launch something that's gone international. I mean, I think you guys have got what 270 businesses and 500 advisors, plus a whole bunch of subscribers in South Africa now, which is amazing. Um, tell me a bit about time before the wheel. How did it all begin? Tell us, tell us, yeah, tell us how it came into being. Okay, so for me, I came into financial planning in my early 30s. <clears throat> I, uh, I had a background in management consulting with Price Waterhouse, and I was national marketing manager for Australian Associated Press in their financial markets uh, area. And I came into financial planning, and I was a little amazed that the whole process in client meetings was really very unstructured, and that you'd get information from your clients while you're filling in a, 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 fact, for, uh, a fact sheet, and, and you'd be expected to say, okay, well, based on that information, here's some strategies that are going to help you. And it was a really difficult uh, thing for me as a young planner to get my head around. And I was just really frustrated that there weren't more tools around that could help me explain these concept, uh, concepts to my clients. And even just the most basic thing, which was uh, how do you explain financial planning um, is, is a very difficult thing to, to, to do. And when I asked around, there was no, nobody that really had a great way of explaining what they do uh, to their clients. Okay. Michael, what's your view? Um, yeah, so my background's different. I've only been in the financial services industry for about uh, seven years now. And the, I started off as a chartered accountant with KPMG in Johannesburg, went into radio and TV, so quite different across to New Zealand and then Australia for 10 years within New Zealand in a number of different roles there. I ended up with marketing director here in Australia. Um, and then I joined a dealer group. They wanted someone from a practical marketing background to help advisors make more money in their practices. So um, I did that with a dealer group. Um, that's where I met Hans. And um, we got on really well from you know, those early days in 2007. And um, then I started a consulting business to small businesses. So doing similar stuff to what I was doing in that dealer group. Yeah. But um, working with advisors, seeing what their frustrations were, helping them building, you know, build marketing plans and look at things from a client's perspective rather than from a financial planner's perspective. That makes sense. Now, you both come from a marketing background. Do you think that is... Uh is that by chance or was there something in that in terms of the fact that you started this together? Uh, I think um, because in the marketing world, you, you're always trying to look at uh, what you're doing through the eyes of the consumer. I think that resonated with both myself and Michael when we tried to improve the whole consumer um, journey and the, the consumer experience. Um, we, we both kind of resonated and, and looked at it and said, yeah, we're heading the right way. Fair enough. That makes sense. So what was the inspiration? What was the, what was that sort of problem that you occurred in the firm that gave you the, you know, the, the idea for the wheel? How'd it come about from that perspective? Yeah. So for me, I, in 2005, I moved into uh, a new office and I, I, I wanted to set it up as a modern office. So we had, uh, we had really cool meeting rooms. We had a smart board, which nobody else was really using at the time. The internet was becoming more reliable and quicker. And I started to use uh, or access tools on the internet to replace the visual sort of uh, paper based system that I had previously. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I developed over time was a, a flow chart of what financial planning was 
and I was showing that to my clients to give them an idea of the depth and breadth of what was going on. But once I had the, the big screen in the office, I thought, well, there's a better way of doing this. And I designed the, uh, the wheel concept and the segments of the wheel. And I, um, and I built a, a story around that. Um, and I started showing it to my clients. Uh, so my existing clients, I got pretty good feedback from them. And from, my, uh, from the new clients, they just thought, well, this is the way it's done. So from there, we just, you know, in the office, I just started to develop different ideas and, and add to them and just test them out on my clients. And what was the early impact that it had on the business of, you know, having this thing, trying it out? Yeah, for me, I guess, I, I, I kept asking for feedback from my clients and they said um, that they, you know, they really liked uh, the use of the visuals and the, and the modelling that we were doing with Excel spreadsheets and whatnot. It, it kind of made it easier for them to understand what was going on. Um, and I guess I started to show some of my colleagues what I was doing and, and that created a bit of interest. Uh, so from there, I started to invite them in to have, uh, you know, focus group sessions on the bigger picture on what I, what I envisaged it would be. And um, pretty much it was always going to be an online set of tools that you could quickly and easily access to um, address a certain problem or explain a certain concept. Yeah, um, and just put some structure around that. So, so the meeting was being um, conducted in a way that you had already decided previously, rather than just an ad hoc, you know, meeting, and, and we'll go wherever it takes us. Okay, Michael, is this the point you started to get involved in before this? Yeah. So when I was with the data group, um, I put together a two-day marketing workshop, um, and. Um, the data group invited advisors to attend those and it was ready to help advisors that you know don't necessarily have a marketing kind of background or bent to market their businesses and as part of my research to put that program together i traveled all around australia and met with good practices and one of the things that i found is that being a financial advisor can be quite lonely you you know an advisor or two or three or ten in an office um you see your peers at pd days and the odd conference here and there but unless you make a concerted effort to jump in a car in an airplane, go and visit someone else's office and learn from them, you really don't get around to it. So part of what I did was to bring good ideas from a collective of really good advisors and showcase them as part of the marketing workshop. And one of the things that I, I did was uh, with Hans's wheel and slideshow and what his boardroom looked like and the smart board is put up some photographs and take people through what that looked like and how it, um, how it worked. And quite quickly, people put their hands up and said, you know, can we subscribe to using that or can we use it or what's the story? And I had a chat to Hans. Um, he had licensed a few advisors to use his slideshow already. We added a bunch to it and we could see that just one simple tool had a market and um, that helped people change their whole approach on how they gave advice, how they explained it. And, you know, recently we've turned that into a video so that an advisor can just press a button to show that video to their client. But the interesting question when an advisor, and we ask the advisors to do this, is to say to their clients and prospects, has anyone ever explained what financial planning is to you? And 99% of clients say no. And so if that's where they are and they're already a client or they're a prospect and they've got no clue what to do, then you need something to help you explain. That sounds like that was a bit of a watershed moment. That whole 99% of clients had never had it explained to them. Well, they may have, they just didn't understand it or they don't recall it. So, um, but you know, what's interesting is 
Hans and I are doing a, a presentation for 36 advisors from one organization. They'd all been there for the same length of time, used the same tools. We've got 36 of them to write down an explanation of financial planning. We've got three of them to present to the rest of the room. And then we asked for a show of hands if anyone had written down anything remotely similar, and there was none. So we had 36 people, same background, same company, all been there for 10 years, giving the same advice to the same types of clients because it was part of a super group. And none of them wrote down what financial planning was that was remotely similar. Yeah. And what, well, I mean, when you saw that, what, what impact did it have on you, the, the beliefs that you had about what you were doing? I think it gave both Hans and I, um, you know, the, a, a feeling of comfort that advisors would like tools. They have access to them, but they're kind of all over the place. Some are various websites, some are software packages, some are things they've built themselves. Um, but you can collect all of those in such a way that they're easy to use, they're simple, they're visual, put them all in one place, then it's got a, you know, it's valuable to advisors. So the next question I wanted to ask is, um, it sounds like you went through a lot of different testing and focus groups in order to work out whether you had something that, that was valuable and something that was needed. Is that right? Yeah, so when I started getting a lot of interest from my colleagues, uh, I chose a number of different uh, uh, practices that I, you know, respected what they did. And I brought them into uh, to have a focus group. We ran about three of those and Michael was part of that. And I just sort of put to them my ideas of the bigger picture and, and what I'd like to do with, um, you know, the astute wheel because the, the presentation about what financial planning is was only a very small part of it. Yeah. And we, uh, we, we kind of spent the whole day throwing around ideas, brainstorming ideas, and, and trying to, I was trying to get an understanding of what it is that they would find valuable um, if I did build it. Um, and so they were quite interesting. We had, some, um, we had some things that came out of that which were great and some things that were absolute furfies, as you would expect. Um, and we had some people that uh, just sat there and didn't say anything all for, <laughs> for most of the day and others that uh, were quite happy to talk all the time. So uh, it, was, it was interesting and it... Uh, it really gave us some idea as to what, you know, our, which of our ideas were good and were going to work and which ones weren't and, and also inspired us with a few new ideas. That's awesome because I know a lot of people when they're kind of doing startups, they, they tend to fall in love with their own idea. Yeah. And when you try and look at it and say, hey, maybe that's not going to be the world-changing thing, people get defensive and they start to almost go into a defensive mode. So... Um, sometimes one of the best things you can do is kind of shoot holes in your own idea and almost like try and you know, kill your idea before it gets anywhere near the real world because if you can kill it, then pretty much guaranteed everybody else out there can do the same thing. Yeah. So were you guys at this point, I mean, I listened to what you're talking about, which is this whole you built something, you tested it, you, you adapted it. I mean, that's sort of very similar to the whole that Silicon, Silicon Valley build, measure, learn uh, philosophy where you don't try and build the the big thing at the end of it first, you build the small components. Were you actively aware of the fact that this is the way that tech startups are built? No, it just intuitively, it made sense to me. Like I, I guess one of the things that I had going for me was that I was actually a financial planner with a practice. And so when I thought of uh, an idea or when we developed an idea, I just use it with my clients. So, you know, with the smart board, I, uh, I, I gave them all the presentation that I developed about what financial planning was. Um, I sourced a number of ideas or, or calculators and, and various things 
that were freely available on the internet. Um, I remember there was an MLC insurance calculator, there was a, an AMP retirement calculator, and I would plug the client's numbers in and I would show them where they were going and what was, what was happening with their life. And the feedback that I was getting back was, wow, this is great, this is so much better than what you used to do. And one of the other things that I did was I, I decided I wanted to get information prior to the client meeting. So I took the 20-page fact find that my dealer group had yeah. and I stripped out the most important part of that, which were maybe three or four pages, and I'd send it out before a client came in um, and I'd, I'd make sure that I got that back. And I was able to give much better um, meetings as a result of that. So I just tested all these ideas out. I'd ask my, my clients what their thoughts were and I got a real feel for what they liked, what they didn't like, and what was going to work. Awesome. Michael, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think when you're doing research on something like this, you know, talk to quite a few people um, and, and make sure you talk to industry experts. Don't necessarily believe what the industry experts say or what their view is. So a bunch of the tools that we built that are probably among our most successful components of what we built um, experts said, don't do that, it will never work. And, um, and luckily we didn't believe them and we did it anyway. Yeah, excellent. It's funny this, um, when, you, when you sort of talk to a lot of experts, or you talk to a lot of people who are deep inside of things, you, tend, you can sometimes get groupthink, where people tend to represent a common view. Uh, you get a lot, for example, with investors in Silicon Valley where they all want a certain type of company, so they ignore other types of companies. I think, yeah, the same is true. Uh, when you're looking at stuff like that. So awesome. Hey, I'd like to delve a bit, if you don't mind, into the journey. So tell us, tell us about the kind of first steps where you went from, okay, we've got something here to it started to look like a, a really vibrant sort of on the way to being a vibrant commercial enterprise. All right. Well, I guess I'll start with the first uh, aborted attempt, <laughs> which uh, was back in 2007. We, um, we decided that, yep, it was, uh, it, was, it was something that was worth pursuing. Um, and we went through a whole process of designing uh, what we wanted and getting quotes from developers. Uh, and Michael put together a business case and we, we went to the dealer group, actually, and said, uh, this is how much money we need. This is what we'd like to build. Uh, we're all ready to go. Can you do it? Uh, they said yes. And then we had the GFC. And uh, that kind of put a stop to just about everything. Yeah. And so we didn't really do much more um, for a few years. And I'll let Michael take over from there. Michael? Yeah, so I started up uh, my consulting business and um, phoned up Hans in November 2010 and said, um, you know, let's have a coffee, and um, which we did, and um, raised the question of should we jump in and, and build this because we could see that it would be something that would be of value to both advisors and their clients. And that's kind of where we jumped in. So um, that was November 2010. It took um, Hanson, Andrew and I that pretty much um, the whole of 2011 to design, scope out, this, get quotes and get out of developers to build the system. One thing that we were very cognizant of is that none of us are IT people and that's probably a good thing. So. From the Astute Wheels perspective, it's a system built by advisors for advisors. And what you often find when people build systems for users, they forget to invite a user to the group that makes the decisions on what's going to be built. So we made sure that we didn't do that. We um, bounced ideas off advisors and showed them what we're doing. Um, 
and then uh, um, decided to find a really good tech company, um, an award-winning one. We engaged them to build it. We made sure it was a fixed-price contract, so we knew what we were in for. Um, the scope did change, but that was our fault because we added stuff to it. But the work came in on time and on budget um, for that initial build, um, plus the extra stuff that we built, we paid for, and um, that was really good. So a good outcome there. Um, some of the things that the IT company had to build for us were brand new, hadn't been done, hadn't been invented, and so that was good for them too. Um, it was a good project for them. And then we launched it to advisors that Hans and I both knew um, in November 2011. What we were after was some beta users, and we signed them up in 2011, um, November, December. And then when they got back from um, holidays in end of January, they started using it um, as a beta group. So we had 40 advisors. Um, our view was that people don't value stuff they don't pay for. So we got our beta users to pay um, to use it on the condition that um, it would be a discounted price and that they would give us feedback and use it and um, be part of that, uh, I guess, beta loop. So we then launched it um, when we were happy with it at the beginning of June 2012. And um, we got a good PR company involved as well as part of that journey. And yep. we got some really good press coverage, which was great. And since then, it's grown it's grown well, and it's grown mostly through word of mouth um, with assistance from good articles being written in good publications. Um, I'm interested, PR. You know, you get different views from different people. What's your view on engaging PR? Is there businesses that should and shouldn't? And did you go, do you guys make it work? Yeah, I think it's essential. You know, you've got to be able to have some level of control over what's out there about you. And if you don't have a PR company engaged, it could go quite pear-shaped for you. So um, luckily, people that use us, we all love it. And we've got great fans. We have a resubscription rate every year of over 95%. And wow. so people are saying about us is good. But you certainly would want some um, measure of, of having someone who knows what they're doing from a PR perspective to be in your court if you're having some teething problems. Um, luckily, we didn't have any of that. But I think that would be essential. PR problems is in people putting wrong things on social media and that kind of thing. Uh, could be. Um, we haven't had any of that. So, um, but I've been in companies where you could see that they really did need some PR expertise and didn't and got killed in the press. So, um, luckily, we, we haven't had any of that. What were the big barriers that kind of stood in your way uh, to you getting this up and you know, ultimately international? Yeah, there was quite a lot of challenges along the way. Um, one was, you know, I was running a financial planning practice and uh, and so I had to sort of uh, put that into caretaker mode and, and not take any more clients on board. Um, one of the things that made us realise, okay, it was time to do it back in 2010, was that, you know, the GFC was behind us, um, FOFA was looming, um, and we thought this is the right time for us to, to launch something that, uh, that, that, you know, is going to be make a difference in, in the industry. Um, so I would spend three or four days a week uh, for, for most of 2011 working on this project um, and, you know, try and find another two or three days a week uh, to, to work on the business. And, yeah. uh, and that was really tough. But also, you know, there are so many little problems that you come across in any day. So, 
uh, three times a week, we would get together and spend half a day together. So that was Michael, myself and Andrew, and we would talk about where we're up to and we'd, we'd identify problems. And in a half day session, we might solve two or three problems or we might just solve one problem um, through brainstorming. And I quickly realised, wow, this is, this is a really tough thing to do. Um, and I understood finally why none of the big banks or, or AMP had done it because um, you know, solving problems is something that, that is difficult when you've got a room full of 10 people, but uh, when you've got three advisors or two advisors and, and you know, someone that knows the industry, you can get through those problems and you can start working on you know, uh, developing the tools that, that are going to overcome the problems. Yeah, so true. Um, I read an article recently, someone was making the point that there's a lot of institutional investment in startups right now, but I've never ever seen uh, any evidence so far of a large incumbent institution deliberately disrupting itself. So it's kind of interesting to know what the whole purpose behind it is. But as you guys know, we've spoken, I think my, my strong belief is that it's up to um, you know smaller advice businesses to actually grab it and run with it and do this stuff and not, not necessarily wait for, for larger institutions. I think nowadays, Small businesses can do things probably faster and more nimbly than larger businesses at times. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about now. Give me an idea of where are you guys at now? What's, what's, what's happening in the wheel world? The wheel world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we've, uh, we, we came to a point uh, about a year ago where we thought, okay, uh, things are going well. Um, but what uh, what are we going to work on next? And uh, in fact, it was probably 18 months ago. There was one aspect of the wheel that we hadn't covered because it was too hard, and that was estate planning. So uh, we we worked on an estate planning solution, and we've come up with something that is, I think, unique in the world, really. Um, certainly unique in Australia. We launched that last year. Uh, we put it out to our users. They started using it. They came back with feedback. Um, and we've worked through all that feedback and we're now ready to launch a standalone estate planning package uh, yeah. because we realised that accountants, solicitors and planners uh, are all interested in, in providing solutions here. Okay. So that's one project. Yeah. Um, the other project we've worked on over the last 18 months is completely rebuilding the wheel, taking in all the, the feedback that we've got from, uh, from our, our users and delivering a more modern version of the wheel. And the third project is South Africa, which uh, Michael can talk about. Yep. So um, South Africa, we, when we went to, wanted to go international, we thought it would be a good idea to find a market that is similar size to Australia. Um, you know, some markets you're going to get one crack at it. You want to make sure that you do it really well. So um, 2015 in March, we went over to South Africa, um, got in front of advisors in five of the cities around the country. So Hans and I, and um, just demonstrated the Australian system. Um, and the feedback was that they really liked it. They wanted it to be um, tailored for that market and they were happy to use it if that was the case. So from March to September, we modified and, and built a system for South Africa. And then went back in October last year, um, got some beta users to use it for five or six months, um, as we had done here find out any bugs and took on feedback and, and made some um, small modifications to it and then went back in March this year to, to launch that product. So feedback there has been great. They're going through similar FOFA changes. So there it's called RDR, uh, kind of similar to Australia and what the UK has gone through. And um, 
they're finding that they're having to move more to fee-for-service and this is a great product to help them do that. Fair enough. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, actually, Spiros had a question and I think it fits in with what, what we were just talking about. His question was, do you believe that the Astute Wheel has a place in other professional advice practices such as accountants and lawyers? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that one. In terms of um, lawyers, I, I think absolutely. Um, I, my experience with lawyers is that uh, they don't really think about the whole client uh, journey and the, the client experience um, when they take people through, for instance, estate planning. It, uh, it's not done well. And, and even accountants, you know, um, the, the view of most people about what an accountant has to offer is pretty narrow, but accountants offer a huge amount of uh, services and, and they don't really know how to articulate that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it, would, um, it would have an application in both those areas. Wonderful. Yeah. I think another application for it as well is referrals to and from professional advisors. You know, one of the things we developed was a five-minute financial health check mm -hmm. and it covers the six areas of the wheel and you know, advisors, some advisors that we are working with are using that tool for referrals and getting clients from the accounting practice, the legal practice, and the advice practice to complete. And then they are um, solving those problems for that client or that group of clients, depending on what their requirement is. So estate planning going to the lawyer, um, debt going to a mortgage broker, um, accounting work going back to the accountant um, when they've been referred to the advisor who suggests a strategy. And yeah. um, that's pretty well as well. Excellent stuff. I mean, that leads to a question. Are there any types of firms that uh, generally use the wheel better than others? You know, who gets the most out of it and how do they do it? Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I, I think it's mainly a state of mind rather than anything else because we've got uh, one-man bands that use it successfully. We have groups of, um, you know, advisors that have 10 uh, advisors in the practice that use it successfully. But it's more about... If you want to provide holistic advice, then there's so many moving parts in that whole process that you need some structure around it and you need some tools. So anyone that wants to provide holistic advice, then you know the, the astute wheel is a good tool for them to use. If you're more you know specifically about this or that, then I think what the astute wheel does is highlight that you're missing out on a whole lot of stuff if you presented to a, a, a client uh, and, and just do insurance, for instance. That makes sense. Actually, I've just had a message from Stephen Branson, who's actually dialed in from the States today. Uh, he's he's message that true, any planning has to be holistic and covers all aspects, cash flow, debt, investing, tax, estate, insurance. And, and Stephen's actually an attorney and a financial planner. So, um, yeah. Michael uh, just asked a question. Uh, he wants to hear more about the Stute Wheel, as in what it does actually do and how does it work. And Michael, at the end of it, we're going to let you know where you can go to get more information about the functionality of it. Because um, I know Hans runs a, a, a webinar. Is it pretty much most Wednesdays? Uh, it's pretty much every week, either on a Wednesday or a Friday, sometimes both days if I've got uh, so many people coming. But on the homepage, there's a, a great little three-minute video uh, that you can go to on how it works. Um, and also you can you know, register for the, the webinar. So we'll give you the details there. Perfect. Hey, I want to ask, uh, are there any business management principles uh, that you feel kind of an advice firm needs to have 
or install in, in order to be able to engage firms using something like this tube wheel? Yeah, like I said, I think it's more a state of mind. I, if you've got a burning ambition to provide better advice and, and you want some help around that, then, uh, then you're the right person. You need to have a bit of an open mind about doing things differently. And you need to just have a go, go get it attitude. And, uh, and, and if you've got those things, then your student wheel uh, is going to be right for you. Okay. Michael? Yeah, I think the, um, you've got to have the attitude of, I want to do something different and I'm willing to put the effort in. So uh, our system is pretty simple, but there's quite a lot to it. Um, we've spent a lot of time helping advisors build best practice within their businesses and provide all the tools to help them do that. And they can get significant um, you know, increases in sales, um, revenue per client. They can be much more efficient in their business. And um, the tools are all there. We've got case studies that are online for them to do. We've got videos on every single aspect of the student wheel. So they can just watch the videos on any calculator, how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And Hanson and I travel around the country twice a year and run you know, half-day workshops and user forums where they can learn from each other and see um, you know, what's working really well in other practices. Hey, one question I want to ask you guys is having done this, uh, um, if, so, if someone else out there has got a great idea and they're sitting there listening to it, trying to get ideas about how they can go out and start something similar or something from an advice firm, what's the best advice you can give them for, for someone at the beginning of the journey? Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a few things. One is um, if, if, if you're going to cost something out, <laughs> then expect it to, to cost three times more and take three times longer than, uh, than what you expect. <laughs> I think you need to be involved in, in every aspect of what you're doing um, and, and spend the time to get it right the first time because you don't want to be going back and fixing things later. And get a great team around you because you simply can't do everything on your own. And problems that seem insurmountable to you, you put it in front of a, a you know a group of smart people, and they'll come up with solutions that you would never have thought of. Mm. The other thing I guess is that there's a lot to uh, starting a startup. It's not just about the product. Um, it's about you know time and cost. Where are you going to get the money from? It's about structuring the business, um, you know, companies, trusts, shareholders agreements, who's going to get what shares. You need to protect your intellectual property with trademark and, and yeah. copyright. Um, contracts, you know, you need to have contracts in place so that people really understand what they're doing as part of it um, and to ensure that your IP is protected. Yeah. And, and just bringing together the right team. You know, we have a really good design person. We have great PR people. We have great development people. Um, we've got, a, I've got a, you know, we've got a really good um, lawyer. We've got an accountant that's very much involved. So together we were able to do stuff, but it's not just about the product. It's about the whole, you know, circumstance around it as well. Makes sense. Michael, would you add anything? Yeah, I think it's critical to have um, a really good group um, of people that all understand you and can give you good advice as to where you want to go to. Um, I think plan for what what will be needed in the future. So particularly from a structure point of view, if you structure the business incorrectly and if you go international and structure it incorrectly, it can cost you a bunch of money to unwind and fix. To yeah. so get that information up front doesn't mean that you need to get the structures in place, but just have an idea of what those structures need to be. Um, and 
yeah, you know, it, it takes quite a toll um, on you. So, you know, Hans and I both had other businesses. We were both working four days a week in those businesses and you know, two days a week on this. And so um, it's a lot of time after hours. It's a lot of work. But, you know, it's also a whole lot of fun. So, you know, when you look at it, look at it as hard work, changing and impacting people um, for the good, um, you know, make some money along the way and just have fun doing it. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting, but one of the things I was always told is before you go and basically build the final model, find a really cheap way of building it. I think the story that really stuck with me is that your guys' first iteration of your tool was a $1,000 presentation that you, you sold around to practices. And I mean, that's a great way of testing whether you've got something before you start chucking a bunch of money into an idea that you don't know if it's going to float or, or sink. Yeah. And I think, you know, another one is advisors and, and lawyers and accountants all go to conferences and they all hear from their colleagues what challenges they're facing. So it's pretty easy to pick up what everyone's struggling with. And then, you know, if you can solve that issue, um, you've got something that people pay for. Guys, what's next? What, what, what features are you guys adding? What's the future of, uh, of uh, the Astute Wheel look like? Michael, do you want to have a go? Yeah, the, um, so there will be a bit of PR coming out of the next um, few weeks. You know, one, one of the things we're trying to get to over time is going to be to get to one hour advice for each of the different segments. Um, we are busy working on that now from an estate planning point of view. So we're working with online legal firms where you can do, you know, get a client to do some work before they um, come in for a meeting. You can import that information into estate planning. You can run a very good and thorough and simple um, process to gather clients' wishes in a meeting, get that information into a third-party software where they produce all the documents that are required and align up a lawyer to implement that with a client. So I think you've got to think about, from a client's perspective, what's the journey and what does that look like? Where can you add value? Where the opportunities within your business? How do you solve them? And how do you make money um, by adding something like estate planning um, and doing it really well? Okay. And what's your view on the the, the client's DIY version through software and you know, online tools? Yeah, I think um, robo advice and, and clients doing it themselves is going to be a huge challenge for advisors. I I think there are a lot of advisors out there that focus, especially their review meetings, on a, a portfolio review rather than you know a client review. And if, if your review meeting revolves around, here's your portfolio, this is what it's done, here's a few changes, this is what's going on in the um, in the, the world of um, you know share markets. If that's your review meeting, then that's going to be taken over by robo advice because that's just you know model portfolios and and um, and and working you know on on which model portfolio suits which which uh, clients. So the the whole process for financial planners has to be much much broader than that, and that's where the astute wheel comes in. The, the six different segments, the many, many strategies, um, the, the, the product or the, the portfolio at the end of it, that's just a very small part of the process and, and clients are going to be able to do that themselves. Could not agree with you guys more. Um, I'm really keen to touch on another area uh, just before we sort of get into the last uh, stretch. 
You guys have been doing a bit of uh, bit of work recently on the client engagement and research in general, haven't you? Do you want to give us a bit of an overview of, of, of where you're looking at academically? Michael? Um, yes, so Hans and I um, decided to do something quite silly and that is to do some more postgraduate study. Um, what we're learning is how to conduct research and we are working specifically on um, what would benefit our advisors and clients. So. Um, Hans is doing some work on client engagement and review meetings, and I'll let him talk about those. And um, one of the big things that I've found for a lot of advisors is that they get good referrals from their current clients, and they just can't get referrals from other professionals. So um, I'm doing research into that. I guess the good news for advisors is that everyone struggles in that area. From a research point of view, that's interesting is that um, the cutting-edge journals in academic world and in um, journals for professionals is all um, still sprouting out the stuff from 15, 20 years ago that doesn't work. So um, I think what we've got to do in a referral area is just do things much in a much better way where everyone benefits from that. And um, that's what my focus of study is. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm Hans now. Hans? Yeah, so it's it's a doctorate of uh, business administration that we we've embarked on, um, and my uh, sort of focus is going to be on client engagement, um, specifically the review process, and how to improve client engagement through the use of technology and through a structured approach. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot of research around that. I've already started with uh, with a little bit of research on that. Yeah, and as Michael said. And the, uh, the, the information that's out there um, about how to do this well is very much behind the times. They, they really haven't uh, embraced technology uh, and really thought about, you know, the impact of things like robo-advice and how it's going to affect financial plans. Actually, just quickly on the referrals, and I, and I guess it's still a work in progress, so if you don't want to answer it, uh, Michael, feel free. What do you think about the old adage, you know, if you want to, give, if you want to get referrals, you've got to give referrals? Yeah, I think that's important. It's, you know, the law of reciprocity. So um, it doesn't always work, though. So a lot of advisors will find that they've given, you know, numerous referrals to another professional and get none in return. So I think just one of the, you know, there's a couple of things there. One is a trust barrier. So you've got professionals saying, um, I'm protected over my clients. If I refer them to you, you might screw up and that's going to affect me. So that's something that they need to get over. Um, but I think it's a great idea. And what tends to work quite well is that um, you know, I'll come and visit you and I'll bring you the details of a client I'm going to refer to you. And I'll bring the next one you know, straight after you refer someone to me. Okay. Hans, uh, on the engagement, engagement front, it's, um, it's one of those things that's it's a bit of a buzzword, isn't it? Client engagement uh, floating around. So I was wondering if, you know, it's, it's hugely powerful if you nail it, but it is used as a buzzword. So what would you say are key principles, like in, in truly getting good engagement and, and realising the benefits? I think most of our clients, most financial planning clients, don't really understand what we do. And, and for you to take them on a journey, a journey of discovery, is, is how to get the most out of your relationship with them. And it really starts even before that first meeting to, you know, we have tools that we send out to, uh, to our clients where we gather information. But as part of that process, we, we get them to think about 
a broad range of potential areas that they, you know, might be lacking in. And so from the very first um, point of contact, we're starting to uh, educate our clients about the various things that we can help them with. And then when we get them in the door, to have, you know, a, a, a journey where we take them on that says, right, you've told me these are the things that are missing in your life or, or in your financial circumstances that you're worried about. Here's a journey that I can show you um, how one strategy here and another strategy there uh, will have this result for you uh, in either your retirement or, or improve your debt position or, or whatever. Then the client really gets it. They get that there's a lot that you've brought to the table things that they can't just get off the internet, um, that you're the person that's through your knowledge, through your experience, is able to understand what's going on in their world and in the bigger world um, to identify ways that they can improve their position. And, and what I keep coming back to is that there's constant change going on. There's constant change in your client's life, in the, the share markets, money markets, you know, interest rates, Aussie dollar, share markets going up and down, and constant change in legislation. This last budget has proven that. There's always change going on, and as an advisor, you're the one that can interpret that change and provide some sort of direction for your client to not only take advantage of you know, the opportunities out there, but also to make sure they're not being um, you know, too threatened by the, the, the changes that aren't working for them. And if the client can see that that is who you are and that's what you bring to the table, you're never going to have a conversation about my share market, uh, sorry, my, my portfolio went down last year, why am I paying you fees? Because that's not what it's about. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, Michael, do you want to add anything? No, I think I think Hans covered that pretty well. Um, and this is—I I wrote a book about eighteen months ago, an ebook called "100 Ways to Run Your Business Better." And the idea behind it is, it was it was a downloadable ebook full of really great small ideas. The criteria was uh, it had to be big impact, low cost, and take between forty-eight hours to maximum two weeks to implement. Uh, and they had to have a great impact on advice firms to greatly improve it. Of all the things you've seen or done lately. You know, what would be those, a couple of those small, great small ideas or, you know, hacks that you'd recommend advice firms adopt to kind of make a big difference? You know, if I look over various books and things that I've, I've read over the years, there's some that can make a pretty big impact quite quickly um, in any business, particularly people businesses. And, you know, one of those is the five-minute manager. It just makes you become much more efficient and focus on what's important and to manage your business really well. And um, it's a pretty small book. It's easy to read. Um, I think it's a great book. Um, you mentioned one earlier, um, Stuart, called The Four-Hour Workweek. Yeah. Uh, have a look at those kind of things. If you read a, a book and you get one great idea, then that's perfect. Um, another one is you know, personality profiling, and, and there's a lot of literature out on that. But a great book is a, is a pretty uh, easy-to-read one called Personality Plus by the lady uh, called Florence Littauer. And it helps people understand themselves better and other people better. And it can make, have a big impact on your business, your family life, and how you deal with other people. And, you know, if you look at um, a lot of advisors could be in quite a different box, I guess, than what their clients are. And unless you understand how a client likes being dealt with, you may deal with them the way you like being dealt with. 
and yep. at best you're going to annoy um, 65% of the population and at worst 85% because there might only be 15 or 35% of the population that's very similar to you. So, you know, do some reading, um, see what's out there and have a look at, you know, simple tools. You know, in, in some businesses you can get an, something as simple as an A4 sheet of paper, draw a vertical line down the middle and across the middle and get your staff to write down at the top you know, what they like, what they don't like, and down the side, what they're good at and what they're not, and write all their tasks in those areas and then move things around to as many of those tasks as possible to people that are that like doing that stuff and they're good at it. So ideally, you'd end up with stuff I like and I'm really good at would be the one quarter that's full. And then, you know, what you're good at and you don't like might be 20% of your job and we've all got that. And what you don't like and what you're not good at shouldn't be in your job description or in your task. It should be with someone that's good in that area. That's a very simple tool. It's a meeting with, with you know, your staff for an hour and it can change your business completely really quickly. Perfect. Hans? Oh, I think um, Michael's handled that very well. The, the, I guess bringing it back to the astute wheel, we, we spend a lot of time um, trying to come up with the best, most efficient way of doing, you know, 10 or 15 different things in the whole client engagement process. And so you take one aspect of what we've, we've sort of done, you can implement it very, very quickly. Uh, the first one that everyone loves, that everyone is able to implement very quickly, is, is sending out links to, to their clients prior to a meeting and getting them to complete uh, the work. So, uh, you know, if you've got information prior to the meeting, you know, rich information about uh, the client and what their concerns are, you can have so much better, uh, you can have such a much better meeting as part of the process. One of the, the things that I've gone around to many, many different practices around Australia and, and sat in the meeting room where they see their clients. And one of the things that I really feel strongly about is that that meeting room has to send a message to the client. And, you know, if, you're, if you've got a meeting room that's got files everywhere and it's just not all that pleasant, the, the message that the client gets is um, it's not really all that important. But if you've got a meeting room, and, and I call it the, the big decision meeting room, which has, you know, a big screen on the wall uh, where you're, you're, you've, uh, you've got the technology happening, you've got a big whiteboard, and we use glass screens along the, the whole wall. It, it gives the client the impression that, okay, I've arrived at a place where some big decisions are going to be made. And, and as part of the process, they really get it that you find or, or you're telling them that their life is important, the decisions that are being made here are important, and you come here and you have an hour or an hour and a half of really intensive What's going on? What can we change? Big decisions, and let's you know, let's implement those things. And I find that the you know the 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 room that you give that advice in is really important. So if you can spend two weeks, you know, getting it all together, then uh, it's worth your while. Beautiful, gents. Uh, I'm going to open the Q and A in a moment. Uh, I'm so grateful. I think we I could keep talking to you guys all day long. Um, I think we've gone through about like half the questions I want to ask, but I think the important thing is finally, if people are listening to this and they want to know more about the Institute Wheel and they want to know more about you and they want to find out more about you know what you do, how can they how can they how can they get more? 
Um, so they, yeah, just go to astutewheel.com.au, um, watch the video that's on the homepage. Um, there's some other information on the tabs there. Uh, click on the right-hand top corner. There's either a phone number and you can call that number or what usually works better for advisors is click on Inquire Now. Choose a webinar that Hans does live each week um, with a time or date that suits you. Register for that. Uh, get the decision makers within the business all together. Watch it at the same time. At the end of an hour and 15 minutes, you'll know if it's a fit for your business. Fantastic. What's the one thing you guys would love to see more advisors yeah, do more of? For me, estate planning. Uh, I think it's, it's an area of our advice that is so underutilized and is so important for, for our clients. And it's been in the too hard basket for way, way too long. And I, I know from my experience, to do it properly um, in the past, I've only really done it for my high paying clients, my A clients, where we gather all the information together we organise a meeting with a, an estate planning professional. Um, I sit in that meeting. We spend two hours going, you know, through things, um, and I really hold the client's hand all along. Uh, and you can't do it for, for, you know, you can't do that process for all your clients because it takes too long. But the the estate planning software that we've developed takes it down to an hour. An hour of your time um, is all that's required to get an estate planning. Uh, document together for the client, a really comprehensive one that they can take to their solicitor or uh, in our process, you can just send that information electronically to a, uh, an online lawyer and the, the documents are, are produced you know, on the spot. So estate planning is an area that really is underutilized and should be done more and done better. Stephen, uh, Stephen Branson's got a question for you uh, on his couch from the US sipping a red. Uh, he said, okay, let's talk about estate planning. Clients often don't want to think about it until they have a scare. It's kind of like a lot of things in advice, to be honest. So how are you going to prompt clients to act before that freak out, before that scare? I've never found it to be a problem because there, there are so many benefits of doing estate planning well. And, you know, one example that I, I often use is husband and wife, they're in their 60s, 70s, they're retired, everything's going really well for them. They've got a million dollar house, they've got a million dollars in super, they've got half a million dollars in other assets. Um, and you, 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 you've known them for years, you've taken them through you know, the, the, the last 10 years of their life. But if you stop and say to them, okay, let's look at estate planning now. When was the last time you, you, you put a will in place? Well, it was probably simple wills that they put in place when the kids were born 30, 40 years ago. Okay, well, let's have a look to see what would happen um, if either of you passed away. That's easy. The money just goes to the surviving spouse. What about if both of you pass away in a car accident or, or whatever? Oh, then it would go to the children. Okay, well, let's have a look at what would happen if the children got, you know, $800,000 each. You can talk about um, are they too young to get that kind of money and would they just blow it? You can talk about are they in relationships that may not last? You can talk about, um, you know, um, if they got that money in their own hands, how much tax would they be paying on, on the, the money that was out? There's plenty of stuff around there which when you delve into it, you can easily justify spending two or three thousand dollars on, a, on a, a set of estate planning documents that will solve problems that might end up with hundreds of thousands of dollars being lost uh, to the, their loved ones 
Mm. Um, or, or just tens of thousands a year in tax being paid that they shouldn't have to pay. And when you position it correctly, the client just goes, oh, my God, I didn't realise that this could happen and all of a sudden my perfect little world uh, has a big problem and needs to be fixed. Excellent. Um, gents, I wanted to thank you very much for your time. I know we've ran a little bit over. Um, I just wanted to summarise the, the things that I've really taken from this. I think... Uh, it was really interesting to learn that you both came from that sort of marketing background, which, uh, you know, enable you to connect. I, I, I love the fact that, you know, your first iteration of it was to go out there and really test it. But most importantly, you're obviously logically enough not to fall in love with the idea yourself, but rather to challenge it. And, and I think the thing I really took out of all of the things was, you know, talk to everybody. Don't just talk to people in your sphere. Don't just talk to the experts. Uh, get it, get, get feedback. But I think I love the way you shared the vision. Um, you know, you put it out there. It was interesting for me, the fact that, you know, Astute Wealth had to go into caretaker mode, which was a, has a ballsy decision to do that. And uh, really great to hear, even despite the GFC, that you're kind of moving on into, uh, into um, South Africa as well. Um, I would, I can't wait to see you guys smash the one hour per, uh, for each advice segment. I think of all the stuff that's playing around now, the, the amount of time required to do uh, SOAs is, I think he's killing everybody right now. So, um, and interesting to hear your views on, on robo-advice as well. And uh, to totally agree that I think reviews are one of the most underutilized um, opportunities in advice. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing some work on the program on that in the coming months. As well as, um, yeah, the tweaks and hacks are awesome. Sort out the meeting room, agree. If your meeting room's crap, it kind of says a bit about um, what's going on. And I haven't, Michael, I haven't checked out the five-minute manager. I've got a copy of the three-minute coach, so I might grab, grab them both and kind of have a look, but uh, really appreciate it. Um, guys, I think that's it. I don't have any more questions. Is there anything else you want to finish with, guys? Uh, no, apart from thank you very much for uh, making us or inviting us to, uh, to this webinar. It's been fantastic, and uh, I hope your viewers got something out of it. I'm sure they did. Um, thank you. Yeah, thanks very much for sharing the story. Um, but obviously, if you are interested in knowing more about Astute and what they do, head over to astutewheel.com.au, hit the Inquire Now button, and at the very least, register for a webinar. And uh, I think you've been doing it a while, haven't you, Hans? And Michael, obviously. Yes. Uh, these guys are, 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 are pros when it comes to webinars. Okay, this feels like uh, like we're done. So, guys, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah no worries. Well. Really Wonderful appreciate time. it. Yeah. Have a great day and uh, yeah, speak to you guys soon. Take care. Bye. Hey guys and girls. So I hope you enjoyed that episode of uh, the Innovator with uh, Hans Egger and Michael Topper. Uh, Student engagement is a great story. Student Wheel is a fantastic tool. And uh, yeah, if you haven't heard about it, go and check it out. It's really one of the uh, tools that I think is one of the success stories when it comes to that front end client engagement. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. I want to ask you a favor. I've got a little task. Normally at this point in time, I'll sort of spruik uh, leaving a review or talk about our programs, but this is different. I want to run a panel session. Uh, I want to run a panel session where we pull together uh, people from all walks of the software world and we have a chat about, you know, what does the next generation of advice uh, technology looks like? And I mean going beyond just having a CRM and a financial planning tool. I want to talk about, you know, what are those things on the fringe? I want to get beyond just talking about someone's product is better than another one. And I want to really understand uh, for all those experts out there who have a view beyond just their own tool, what do they think is going to be key? Because I think that's going to be a great session. I guess this is a shout out, but if this sounds like you, in other words, if you are one of those people who has spent a long time 
in the inverted commas advice tech space, maybe even before it was called advice tech or fintech or whatever we want to call it now. Uh, or alternative, you're a practice owner who's kind of been playing in that space for a while. You know, you've been testing and tweaking and you've built your own. Um, I'd love it if you could give me a shout. I'd love to have you on a call, maybe even get you in a live workshop here at the uh, the Aldari HQ. So uh, you can just shoot me an email at Stuart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, at Aldari, A-U-D-E-R-E.com and put in the subject line, I'd love to be part of your tech thing. And uh, let's get chatting. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed The Finnovator. There's more to come. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you've got a great week lined up and I'll speak to you soon.